Hello and welcome to Everybody Pulls the Tarp. I'm your host, Andrew Moses. With me today, a very, very special guest, one of my favorite authors, and I think uh, he'll be one of your favorite authors by the end of this conversation, John Gordon, best-selling author, keynote speaker. Welcome to the show, John. Andrew, thanks for having me. You know what a funny thing about that is when someone says that you're their favorite author, you don't want to ruin it for them. I, I don't want to be someone who you don't like after, after liking my books. So it's a funny thing, like you meet someone, you don't want to ruin it for them in the experience as a writer. So my goal is to always be someone where they go, okay, I like his books and, and I like that guy too. <laughs> well, I, I like you, John, and uh, you've written, I think, 22 books now, 10 of them or so are, are bestsellers. And I just keep you know, hoping that you keep writing more books because at some point I'm going to run out. I'm, I'm almost all the way there. Uh, but you're a guru to Fortune 500 companies, pro and college sports teams, uh, hospitals, healthcare systems, schools, organizations, everywhere around the world. You've got so much insight on leadership and what makes great teams. And it's an honor to have you here on the uh, on the show. But John, where I want to start is how have you been spending the last few months? Because so much of your life is on stage at events, impacting so many at a time. H how are you navigating these last few months? I've been doing so many Zooms that I have Zoom butt right now. <laughs> And I've been doing a lot of virtual keynotes and a lot of podcasts and a lot of events. And it's interesting though, because even though the goals may have changed in terms of being on stages, the mission and vision hasn't changed. It's to inspire and encourage as many people as possible, one person at a time. And now I'm just using Zoom and technology and video conferencing to do that. So I've had the opportunity the last few months to still make a difference and still make an impact. And to be honest, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm actually enjoying not being on the road as much as I was. This has like been a nice break because for the last 14 years, I have been on the road nonstop doing events around the country, nonstop. And so this is the first break I've had. I've spent more time with my wife than I think when uh, probably since we just started dating. And the funny thing is I asked her on a scale of one to 10, how much she like to be married to me? And she said, pre-COVID or now? <laughs> and so the, the good news is that we're actually getting along. We just wrote a book called Relationship Grit. It came out uh, this past week. We've been focusing on that. My book, The Garden, came out. So I've been focusing on that. And so you asked me you know, what I've been doing. It's pretty much been speaking, these two books, getting them out, and still doing the work. But I got to tell you, initially, it was tough in the beginning and when everything first hit. It was strange, like for most people, I didn't know what the future held and it was really scary. And I didn't know if I was gonna be able to keep my team on and how long this was going to last and what was going to happen. All my events were being canceled, lost a ton of, of revenue, but I went back to the rookie mindset that I had when I first started and it was like, all right, get out there and just speak and hustle. I did 80 free talks when I first started speaking and I just went out there with this rookie mindset. Who could I encourage? Who can I inspire and where can I make a difference? So I reached out to clients. Hey, you guys need encouragement. If you need anything, let me know. Can't tell you how many people reached out and said, yeah, I'd love for you to speak to my team or, you know, need your help here. Many reached out initially saying, you know, what would it cost? They said, whatever you want to pay me. That was my thing. Whatever you want to pay me, uh, uh, whatever you want. And it was amazing how many people came with, with more than I thought they would. Right. And I was willing to do it for nothing. If they said nothing, I'd be, I'd be like, okay. Um, I mean, I have a standard set fee, but that was my approach 
for those few months coming out of, of uh, COVID, March, April, May, June. That was things solidified and we started to understand where we were, what was happening, you know, became more concrete, but, but there was so much uncertainty. And I was talking to a Navy SEAL. His name is Chad Wright. I had him on my podcast, Positive University. And he said, John, a lot of guys don't make it through hell week when they're trying to be a Navy SEAL because they're longing for it to be over. They're dreaming for it to end. He said, the ones who make it are the ones who just want to make it to breakfast. And I realized in that moment, that was the key to get through this time. Don't focus on tomorrow, just win today. So my motto actually became win today. And you have to decide what win today looks like. For me, it was getting better every day, staying positive, not allowing all the negativity and all the fear and stress out in the world to affect me, and then to make people better every day, to encourage people. And that's what I've been doing since uh, since March. Now, it's been a struggle at times. Like I want to pull my hair out some days, right? And And my wife sees that side. And it's really been cool because people on social media have noticed. I just had Danny Goki on, the guy with American Idol, and I had him on my podcast. And he's like, man, you've been like a Jedi on on, <laughs> on social media. Like, you're not being phased. I'm like, this guy's got something going on. He's got something special. He's able to handle it all. I'm like, no, no, you're just not seeing behind the scenes. But I'm choosing to win the day, and I'm choosing not allow, to not allow the negativity to get to me. And so I am w- working on staying positive and encouraging people knowing what matters most. I think that's important. What matters most during this time, deciding for yourself what that is and then living it. You sure are, John. So you and I have talked about, this show is called Everybody Pulls the Tarp. It's based on a philosophy that I have that the best teams and the best organizations are powered by individuals who contribute in unexpected ways. And I'm wondering from your vantage point and all the work you've done and all the organizations and teams that you've worked with, what separates a great leader from the rest? Well, there's so many characteristics. I mean, I wrote about that in The Power of Positive Leadership, and we can go through all the characteristics in terms of they build great cultures, they lead with optimism and belief, they have a vision for the road ahead, and they inspire people towards that vision. They have a big mission and a small ego. They serve and they sacrifice, and they commit to their team. They implement the four Cs, communicate, connect, commit, care. They also don't allow negativity to sabotage their team. Too often, leaders allow negativity to persist and exist and eventually sabotage the team. So they post a sign that says, no energy vampires allowed. And they also practice love and accountability. The key to leadership, I believe, if you had to ask me two words, love and accountability. You got to love your team. You got to love them up. But you got to hold them accountable to the values, the culture, the principles, and the standards of what you truly stand for. And now more than ever, a crisis will reveal who you are, what you value, and what you believe. So as a leader, who am I? What do I value? And what do I believe? And how do I live that every day? And how do I help my team live that and live up to their standards of what we want to be? So I hold you accountable to the standards, but I'm going to love you and invest in you and encourage you in the process. And I think that's essential in terms of leadership. So you talked there about love. You also mentioned humility and and being humble. Why is it that it seems like the best leaders in the world have the most passion for what they're doing and are also so humble? I don't know exactly. I believe, though, that when you are humble, you allow a greater power to move through you. And so you realize that there is a God and it's not you. And so you're humble in knowing that. 
but you're confident in the plan and the direction of your life and your mission to lead. There's a greater purpose that flows through you. So you get this purpose, you get this optimism, you get this belief. I'm mean, gonna work with Dabo Sweeney for the past eight years now, nine years, and you see this guy who's humble, who's very positive, very optimistic, very faithful, and he just has a lot of trust and a lot of belief. And you see how that has really helped him build an incredible program. You work with some of the best leaders on the planet and you see how they lead and you're right. It's, it's that humility, it's integrity, it's a lot of optimism. And they're also willing to serve and sacrifice. I think a big part of leadership is the willingness to commit to your team. I love that your podcast is called Everybody Pulls the Tart because it's everybody's responsibility to contribute and to be part of a team. And no one does it alone. We all need a team to be successful. And then we're better together. And then together is how we accomplish amazing things. So as, as a leader, my job is to build a team that works together to be great together. But I also must make sure that I am serving and sacrificing and committing to the team to help us be great. I think a great example of that is, is a Taj Boyd, quarterback for Clemson, you know, before Deshaun Watson. And he was incredible. There's no Deshaun Watson without Taj Boyd. And Taj in the movie theater, after they would watch their movie on Friday night before their Saturday games, they'd always go to a movie theater. You would see Taj in the movie theater cleaning up after everyone left and literally doing it so that the movie theater didn't have to. And the more he did that, other people started joining him in cleaning up the movie theater. Next thing you know, the whole team is now cleaning up as a result of Taj Boy leading the way. And it became a ritual and routine ever since Taj Boyd, where the whole team cleans up after themselves. They even get a, a, a blower. They blow it all out. You know, all the popcorn, everything out of the movie theater. Then they, they clean it all up and they put it all away. And it's just a great example of, of demonstrating commitment and serving and sacrificing. You don't have to be great to serve, but I'm convinced you have to serve to be great. And I had to learn that in my own leadership and my own family, actually, to be a servant leader. And as I did and served my wife and my kids, that's when I became a much better leader in life. So to that end, leadership can be developed and learned. You're certainly developing a lot of leaders and in, 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 um, through the work that you're doing. What about work ethic? Is work ethic something that you're simply born with or is work ethic something that can be developed and built as well? Well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be about what drives you to have that work ethic. So work ethic is important, but I don't think you're born with it. I believe that if you love something, you're going to work hard at it. So much of, of success is, do I love what I'm doing? And if you love it, you'll work to be great at it. Pavarotti, the famous opera singer, was asked about his incredible discipline for his craft, for his work. And he said, everyone thinks it's discipline, but it's not discipline, it's devotion. He was so devoted to his craft that it drove his discipline. And so it's hard to be disciplined when you don't love it. But if you love it, then that, we know discipline is easy. You don't have to get Tom Brady out there working on his, his, uh, his drop back and his, uh, his passing, right? He loves his craft and he wants to be great at it. So, so to me, it's about the work ethic to want to be great, but you got to make sure you're doing something that you love. Like if you were telling me that I had to, you know, do something I, I hated each day, I'm, I'm not very handy, right? So if you said you have to, you build a deck every day, to me, that would feel like work. Doing this and writing and speaking doesn't feel like work because it's what I was born to do. My wife is actually the handy one in the family. Her dad was mine too. Yeah, he was a flight engineer and naval aviator, and 
very mechanical. My wife could fix things around the house. She's amazing. But something broke when the kids were young. They'd be like, mom, they didn't call dad. So you got to know what your gifts are. But I think the key is, yeah, work ethic. Work ethic is a drive to be great. It's a drive to to want to improve. It's a drive to to be the best that you can be. And you can't be great without hard work, though. I think everyone wants to short circuit it today. They want to make it easy. They want the easy road. But to be great, you have to work hard. Now, you have to have talent, of course. But it's the hard work that develops the talent that leads to greatness. There's there's a line there's a line from your book the train uh, training camp that has always resonated with me. The best don't just think about being great. The best uh, something to the effect of the best act on it, yeah. right? And and is that what you're you're getting yeah. at right there? Everybody wants to do what the great ones do, but very few are willing to do what they did to become great. And so we all want to be great, but very few are willing to do the work that it is required that is required to be truly great. And so the key is you got to work at it. You got to work on your craft. You got to work on getting better. You got to be a lifelong learner. You can never think you've arrived at the door of greatness because the minute you think you've arrived, it gets slammed in your face. You always have to push yourself to learn and grow and improve. So I've written 22 books now and I feel like I'm just getting started. I'm just finally starting to get good at this thing and I want to get even better. And I think that's the key is how can I continue to improve and grow and and push myself. I don't want to be seen as someone who his his best work was his his last work. No, I want my next work to be my best work. I recently had a conversation uh, with University of Florida volleyball head coach Mary Wise. She's won 15 SEC Coach of the Year uh, awards, an outstanding coach. And I asked her a question that had been on my mind: Is she because they've almost been perfect uh, throughout her career? And I said, Do you coach to perfection? And she said, no, Andrew, I wake up every day and I want the team to be a little bit better today than they were yesterday. If I coach to perfection, then there's no room for growth because they're afraid to make mistakes. And the only way you make, you know, the only way you grow is by making mistakes. How, when, when, when someone's looking to, from your, from your lens, when, when a leader is looking to be great, how does a leader deal with mistakes and get better? You understand that mistakes are part of the process of growth. So you're going to make mistakes. You can't be a great leader and not make mistakes. You have to make mistakes to be a great leader. It's through the mistakes. It's through the failures that we learn and grow. Think about the failures in your life, Andrew. I'm sure they made you stronger and better, right? There's plenty of them. Just ask my wife. Exactly. Me too. I made a lot of mistakes. Just read Relationship Grit and you will read about all our mistakes. Well, I should say my mistakes. My wife didn't make many, but I made a lot. And they're all in the book. We actually reveal you know, the mistakes I made and how I almost ruined our marriage. And yet it was those mistakes that led me to the person that I am today. And so the failure is not meant to define you. It's meant to refine you, to help you become all that you're meant to be. So as a leader, you know that you got to put yourself out there. As a leader, you got to have a vision. You got to be bold. You have to take action. And sometimes taking action means you're going to be criticized. Sometimes it means that it's not going to work out. And yet when it doesn't work out, how can we learn from this? How can we grow from this? How can we get better because of it? If you play it safe, you can't be a great leader. I've never met anyone who played it safe and did anything great. So part of being great involves and includes risk. And you got to be willing to take those risks. And I agree with that coach in terms of there's no such thing as perfection. We are imperfect people and we will never be perfect. So it's not about being perfect. It's about knowing that you are imperfect, 
on a path and a quest to strive towards greatness, to be the best you can be, to be as great as you can be. And I don't even know what greatness really means. It's hard to define it, right? But it's a quest to be, you know, all that you're meant to be, to, to live up to your potential, to reach that pinnacle of, of, of possibilities that is available to you. And again, I don't know what that means because the minute you think you're great, then someone else comes along that might even be better. Like people argue Michael Jordan and LeBron James, who's the greatest, right? Well, most could say Michael Jordan, but if LeBron wins a couple more championships, maybe they start saying he's he's better, but then someone else is gonna come along 20, 30, 40 years and will they be greater? So, so I don't think we should argue about who necessarily is the greatest. We should argue about or talk about how do we become the best we can be and get better every single day. So you talk a lot about, I love your analogy of the telescope and the microscope. So as I understand it, the, and I won't do it justice here, uh, you know, the telescope is really the, the, the mission and the vision and the, the microscope are the specific things that need to be done to execute that, that game plan. If someone has the desire to be great, is it possible that they, they have that telescope, but they don't have that microscope? Like, could they exist without one another? And Very possible. Very possible. A lot of times we have the desire to be great. And I wrote about that in training camp. You have the desire to be great, but do your actions meet your desire? So if you're just dreaming all the time and you're living in vision, but you're not taking action, then that's delusional. That's not how you're going to create results. And a lot of people, they want to be great, but they don't take the Zoom-focused actions necessary to be great. If I get up in the morning... And I have a dream of writing a book and a vision of writing, but I don't get up every morning and I don't write. And I'm not taking the actions to write each day. The book is not going to be written. And so the way I write a book is every December, I get up every morning and I write. First thing I do is write. If I start checking my social media, right away, I lose my ability to write. I got to clear everything out. I got to sit down and I got to start writing before I do anything else. And if I get an hour or two of, of writing done, then I can check my social media. Then I can do some things. And I already actually worked on creating something that I was supposed to create. That's the Zoom focus actions. That's the, you know, the habits that you need to have. I'm going to write a book, I think, about positive habits one day that, that help us be great. Because without action, it doesn't get done. It's interesting. I, I, I think it was in training camp. You talked about the difference um, between, let's say, a Hall of Fame hitter and just an average hitter in baseball, right? And that it comes down to, I think, 1.4 hits per week that the great hitter has versus the average hitter. A, di a difference of a one, of 1. 1.4 hits per week or something to that effect. Great memory. I think it's like 1.6 or 1.7 hits a week. So yeah, yeah, great memory. I'll have to have an algebra, you know, I'll have to do an algebra check. But <laughs> but anyways, it's some pretty pretty, you know, seemingly to the surface immaterial number, right? That separates the elite from the really great. Um is, is that is is it just come down to habits? Is is does that Hall of Fame hitter? Does that you know that hitter who can hit three fifty as or three hundred instead of the two fifty? Is it is it just that they have better habits and better discipline, or do they have more love for their craft? I think it's a lot of factors. I think there's a level of talent that makes someone great. You have to have the talent. Let's not sugarcoat that. Let's face it. I don't have the talent to be an NBA player. I had the talent to be a lacrosse player at Cornell University and to play Division One lacrosse, but I did not have superior level talent to play at the highest level of the NBA or the NFL. I could have been a good college football player as well, but probably not an NFL player. So you have to have a level of talent. And then there's a level of 
love for it, a love of your craft that makes you want to work at it. There's got to be a desire to be great. Then there's the actions and the hard work necessary to be great. So it's, it's a lot of factors. And writing about that in, in training camp, I love that because it's the little things that separate average and greatness. So the 250 batter, 350 batter, 100 points, all-star, Hall of Famer, and just an average player. And the difference is only 1.7 hits a week. It's actually 1.7. So, so little separates average and greatness. So I always say, what's going to be your 1.7 hits a week for you that you're going to do every week or every day that's going to make the difference? And like for me, like I said, if I sit down every day and I write and I do that each day, I'm going to write something. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to be great. You also have to have a gift for writing, which clearly, again, not my choice. I've been giving a gift to, to write and take complex subjects and, and write simple, meaningful, powerful stories that seem to resonate. And again, I don't believe that comes from like me. I don't ever pat myself in the back. I believe that's a God-given gift that he has given me to be able to do this work because I never knew I was a writer. And so to be able to then write, but I also have the discipline to be able to show up every day and do it. And that is different. Same thing with podcasts and virtual keynotes. You know, during this time, as I said, I was willing to be a rookie and return to that. And I could have just been like, you know what? I got a lot of money in the bank. I've sold a lot of books. You know, I've got this going. I'm just going to sit comfortably and have that kind of mindset. But I, I chose not to. I chose to say, how can I get better during this time? And how can I make my team better? And we became a much stronger team during this time. And that's the thing. There were people that were just becoming less during this time. And there were those that were becoming more during this time. Jay Glazer with, uh, with Fox, he's a friend. I reached out to him the other day. I said, man, you're looking good. Like you've really gotten fit during this time. You're looking the best you've ever looked, you know, on TV and stuff. And, and he's like, did I have a choice? And I really think he did have a choice, but in his mind, the choice was only to get better. And I think it's cool that he had that mindset. And that is a choice we all have. Are we going to get better? Or we're going to allow ourselves to get worse. Don't define it by the circumstances. Define your circumstances by how you want to show up every day and how you want to improve. Before I let you go, John, because I know you're busy, I, I want to, everybody, you know, everybody's wondering right now, right? How do you control, you know, how do you control the things that just feel uncontrollable around you? And, and what, what advice do you have to, to anybody, right, who, who is saying there is so much going on right now? To use you and Damon's coffee bean mindset, the world is a, is a boiling pot of water right now. There's a yep. lot of distraction. My co-author and friend Damon West and I wrote a book called The Coffee Bean. I think it's the perfect analogy for life because we are living in a pot of boiling hot water. And are you going to be the carrot that gets weakened by the environment? Are you going to be the egg that gets hardened, bitter, angry by what's going on? Will you no longer care? Or will you be the coffee bean and transform the environment you're in? And so you control what you can control. You show up every day and you decide. You can rise and shine or rise and whine. And when you rise and shine, you're able to shine on others. And I don't mean rise and whine, W-I-N-E. You don't want to rise in W-I-N-E. That wouldn't be good. But you make that decision each day. And yes, there's a lot that we can't control. And there were days, I want to admit that, very frustrated, a lot of data out there, a lot of information and misinformation, a lot of arguments on the health data, not a lot of doctors talking about our immune systems and our health. And to be quite honest, I've never trusted the government for my health. 
I'm not going to trust them now. I've never trusted the government for my health. Look at the food pyramid. I don't even think it's accurate anymore. Look at look at you know what's been allowed over the years that is now found to actually hurt us and is harmful. Oh, sorry, we were wrong. We we now have this data and research, but it's already done this damage over the last ten years. It's I can give you countless examples where that's happened, and this is not to criticize, but just as my own my own journey, my own mindset to say every day I'm going to show up and I'm going to work on my own immune system. I'm going to improve my health. I'm going to do everything I can to make my life better and to make me stronger and make me better for others and the people around me. And so that was my mindset of controlling what I control. Yes, frustrated with all the information out there, but just saying, okay, I can't control all that. We live in a crazy world. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of division. What can I do to unite? What can I do to not focus on politics, but focus on leadership? What can I do to make a difference in the lives of others and speak truth? Damon West and I actually the other night did a, a thing with, with 40 black coaches and us. We were the two white guys and 40 black coaches. And we had an incredible conversation on race and, and everything going on in the world. And we, we shared our perspectives and what we thought and what we believed. And we were all so in sync. And they loved hearing what we had to say. And we loved hearing what they had to say. And we just learned so much. We thought, this is a microcosm, which we, needs to happen for the rest of the world. But that wasn't for the world. It was just a group of coaches that maybe if it's shared will impact, but we chose to do that with that group. And that's what you can do every day. You show up, you make a difference in the world around you and you make coffee wherever you are. And eventually your, your, your coffee, your pot of coffee gets bigger and bigger and it starts to spread the more people that you impact. And that's what I've chosen to do. Be a source of encouragement during this time, not to get caught up in the debates, the fighting, because it's not going to work and it's not going to help. And I'm not a doctor. And you got to pick the fights that you want to fight and you got to pick the battles that are important to you. And you got to know that what's your core purpose? Like, why are you here? And my core purpose is to do this work and courage. Other doctors should be talking about this. And they're the ones who are taking on the battle, talking about the immune system and health. And I love that. I follow those doctors. I, I love those doctors. The ones that are talking about personal responsibility and personal health and how to make yourself healthier and stronger, which we all need to do. And so those are the people I'll support and follow. And those are the ones who need to take on that fight. But I got to know what fight I'm here for. And it's to encourage, it's leadership, it's building strong teams, and it's helping people unite instead of divide. John, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for making some time to uh, join Everybody Pulls the Tarp. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate it. Love your message because everybody does need to pull the tarp. It's the only way we cover the field, right? <laughs> and only we way. Only way when we do it together. And if one person's going to do it, it's going to take a really long time and it's probably not going to be done right. But if you have everyone doing it, that's where you create success. So it's a great, great, great metaphor for life. I appreciate you. Sure thing, John. I appreciate you. Keep up the great work and I'll keep reading.